Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Once again, once again, once again, you're tuned in live to Beyond Words with Chinessa White and Darrell Douglas. Today, we're going to talk about mental health awareness. And um, one of the reasons that I in particular wanted to talk about mental health awareness is because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, but there are so many things that are happening in the world today, and it's important that we have this uh, conversation and and really be open about what mental health um, is and its importance. And on the line, of course, is your host, Vanessa White and Darrell Douglas. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. Good, good. Okay, so let's start off with that. Because often, you know, people will say, okay, so how are you today? Or, you know, as just a general greeting. But Mm -hmm. is there ever a time that you really tell people how you're feeling? Or do you feel like, okay, they don't really want to know. They just want a hand response to that question. Uh, Chinessa? You know, I think that's true to some extent. I think it depends on the relationship that you have with that individual um, and whether or not it's an authentic ask about how you're really doing. Unfortunately, it's, you know, how you're doing really has replaced the hello um, greeting for many people. And it's, um, you know, sometimes when you ask that question, you get back what you didn't expect where someone will tell you just how they're doing and it may not be very well. Um, but I would say with mental health and how we're, you know, how you're doing is such a loaded question depending on the person. So um, I often look for cues. I don't know if you do that as well when I hear the tone of their voice or if I can actually listen to how they're doing. Um, then I'll press mm-hmm. and then I'll ask more. Um, but right now I will tell you it's uh, it's a difficult question to ask. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, everywhere you turn there's enough stress, whether it's home, work, um, community, just life, there's enough stress that will test your mental health. Um, even the person whom you think is probably the healthiest um, and who can be as stable as possible in this type of environment. Darrell? I'll say I usually try to do like a real scan, and even though uh, the person who usually asks the question, they may not care, but I kind of ask myself, like, you know what? Let's think about that. How are you doing? And usually I'll respond um, honestly. I'll say good if it's a good scan. I'll say something like, well, I'm here if it's one of those days. Or I'll <laughs> like, you know, I think I've even said on here, like, I'm here in spite of all, you know, all this stuff going on, you know. But I try to I try to do that. I try to do, like, a little scan and say, like, huh, let me think. How am I doing? You know? Yeah. Do you think people are um, open to being vulnerable when answering that question? I think some people are. I think some people are just naturally, like, 
you know, they don't really have that wall up. But I do think it's the expectation in others, or maybe it's just, like, the common, you know, like, that default response, like, how you doing? Fine. And you? Fine. You know, it's kind of like a call and response versus it really being like a how are you doing, you know? Yeah. And I think what Chanessa said is important. I think it depends on the relationship that you have with the person and as well as the tone of voice. Some people uh, that I'm really familiar with, um, I'll call or they'll call and, you know, it's like, so, you know, how's everything going or what have you. And it you get this kind of lower response maybe that you're not accustomed to from that person. And so mm-hmm. I measure the rest of the conversation based on how did you respond to, you know, so how's everything going, how are you doing? And, and then we go from there. But do you mm-hmm. think people pause? With you know, with people they have that relationship with, do they pause and kind of guide that conversation and give that person space to kind of be vulnerable? I think it's probably hard to be vulnerable, especially for some people when they meet someone new or they really don't know someone. But I think other times people can be. I remember seeing on Facebook one of my Facebook friends, Mark Jackson, who was, he was in the military, and he uh, he ended up being a resident aide, I guess, um, in college, either before or after the military. But he says, really interesting thing, they, in their training, they teach you in a matter-of-fact way, when someone, when you think someone is having suicidal tendencies, to flat out ask, or do you mm-hmm. think you're going to hurt yourself, or do you have plans to hurt yourself? And he says he was surprised in the four instances that he ran into that, that when he asked, the response was a matter of fact, yes. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. But is it difficult to do, though? Is it difficult for you personally? Um, either one of you can answer this. Is it difficult for you personally to get beyond the handshake of I'm fine and and say, you know what, I today is just not good, you know, and just, again, provide that insight. Is it difficult for either of you personally to have those conversations? Mm-hmm. I, I think it depends on the audience, Bill, for me. Um I think it really depends on the audience for me whether I'm going to broach that question um, I, because it's such a personal question. And I'll say that um, depending on the relationship that I have with the individual or if I feel like they're really, you know, if they're making posts on social media or giving me hints that there's a problem, oh, I, I take down all, all blinders <laughs> because – at that point, I've got to step in. I've got to ask questions, and I've got to actually try to help them. So I will say that has happened. And you're right, it is surprising when you hear back, yes, I don't want to be here. Um, that is the worst thing you can hear, especially when you're 800 miles away. I've had that experience. Yeah. And it is the absolute worst thing. And you have to find the right balance of you matter. You don't want to do this. This is not where, you know, this is, you can get through this. We can work through this. Think about how your family will feel. Like, you have to strike that right balance. Um, And that's very difficult. And I'll be honest, it's very difficult when I'm talking about our own people, when I'm talking about African Americans. Um, Mental health is not something that we like to talk about or like to deal with at all. Mm -hmm. So it can be very, very difficult, and that's why when things like suicide attempts happen or if they are, unfortunately, you know, successful, there's a lot of hurt, anger, and, um, for lack of a better word, uncertainty about why or how, and I wish I had known. There's a lot of regret built into that. So when I think about that part of it, um, 
Me personally, I'm not going to unload and tell people everything that's going on with me. But if I see somebody I think is in pain or is not dealing, you know, they're not seeming like they can deal with what's happening in their life, I do try to step in. Um, And I would encourage other people to do that too. It's not about you invading their privacy, but if you see that they're making hurtful statements or they've, you know, essentially given up, I think you have to step in. I will say, though, that I think sometimes people misread. Um, Like, I can say I, for one, um, in social settings, one minute I can be the life of the party, telling stories, taking shots, and then I kind of tap out socially. I get, like, socially exhausted. And so I'll Mm -hmm. find me a little corner, and I'll be over there, like, playing a game on my phone. And people will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're just so quiet. That's not like you. I'm like, it's not showtime at the Apollo 24 hours a day. Like, can I <laughs> charge over here? Like, they're different, they're different lenses. You know what I mean? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. But that is no, true. I, I that think that's, on, that's true. On many, many occasions. Mm-hmm. And it may be people misreading the signs uh, of you uh, stepping back, but also thinking, oh, well, he's normally, you know, as you say, as you stated, the life of the party, and now all of a sudden either something has happened, someone may have said something to him, maybe he was offended, we're not sure, but we want the older rail back. What's the problem? <laughs> You know, right? So they right. do want the Apollo. <laughs> Be our jester. Summon him. Call him. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, and but that think, can be exhausting in itself. To, it is the accepted, but I think you have to balance it out. Like if you just have one or two bad posts, and I see you one day and you're like incredibly down. I'm not going to take that as a sign for help. It's when I start to see a pattern. I hate to say that, but when I start to see a pattern of, you know, every day, it's not just woe is me post, but nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, um, I wish this life would end, this world would end. When I start to see those types of things, and I, I will tell you I had that experience with um, one of my sorority sisters who was just going through it, and, you know, initially everyone was like just, you know, let her do her thing. You know, she just wants she wants attention. And, and no, these were real cries for help because they started to get very dark, right? These posts started to get very mm-hmm. dark. And then this person stopped answering her phone. She stopped answering email. And that's when I decided, well, you know what? I'm about to star six, seven you and call you and find out <laughs> what is going on. Um, because at that yeah. point, I'm like, I don't know. And honestly, the worst feeling in the world, and I will tell you, I have woken up in my life to seven suicides, and I can tell you how I learned about them, how I was completely floored in six of the seven, and how difficult, I, I and, and luck, you know, by the grace of God, none have been in my personal family, but these have been friends that Every when that happens, you start to replay every interaction you've had with that person recently mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what did you miss. And it's not always people who are down. I will tell you, three of the seven, we had perfectly great conversations the day before on the phone and in social. Um, we had planned a trip, a girls' trip. It wasn't all down. Wow. Um, this one of my other friends, she had gone to visit family. She had gone traced her ancestry. She was just doing all these great things, had all these great trips planned. You would have never thought this person would do this, and here we are. So it, it, it can be you just have to know that person, I think, and you have to have a genuine interest in their lives. And I would just say that's, what I would ask anybody to do, if you say we're friends, let's just have a genuine interest in their life. 
So so now that we we've gone past the initial handshake, which is to me the I'm fine, you know, uh, how do we get past the stigma? Uh, Shanessa, you mentioned that in the African American community, you know, this is I think therapy is essentially a new thing. Um, it is. It is a recent thing for our community and us being able to even admit, and I don't know whether admit is the right word, but that's the word I'm using right now, that, you know, we even go to therapy or that we're even thinking about therapy. I asked someone that's very close to me um, about two weeks ago. I said, would would you go to counseling? Would you go to therapy? And they flat out said, no. They didn't say why. They just said no, as if it was an offensive question. And I'm thinking while I'm talking to them, you probably need to, and I'm not a therapist, but there there were certain behaviors that I was seeing that I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe you need to talk to somebody on a professional level because I am not a professional. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm not a therapist, but these were just some actions that I'd seen. So Talk to me about that, moving beyond the, yes, I'm fine, and, and, and this new phenomenon in, in particular within the African-American community uh, of getting rid of that stigma of mental health. Mm-hmm. So I actually yesterday uh, went to my first therapist appointment ever. Um, mm-hmm. And the very first question that my therapist asked me when I sat down was, so what brings you here? And it was like, wow, we just gonna get right in, huh? Like, that was kind of, <laughs> ask me my name that first. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, that was really that was like a deep. And that that the way that that was broad and like it made you like fill in the gap is kind of what therapy mm-hmm. so far I've only been once is all about because that answer. Mm-hmm you having to come up with the answer. And so with her, and she was just typing away on her little computer, um, and I really I want to see those notes. I didn't ask yesterday, but, like, maybe month two, I'm going to ask to see the notes. But, yeah, but what, <laughs> what, arrived, <laughs> what, what I arrived at was a realization that, and both of y'all are over 30, so y'all will probably um, agree or at least see where I'm going with this. I believe First, you didn't have to tell our ages, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, saying, so, sir, but go on. <laughs> so some, somewhere around 30, somewhere around 30, if, yes. if, if the universe gives you have, you, ever have you ever, like, gone a while without your glasses and then, like, you go and you get your glasses, and the world seems so vivid, and you can see the mm-hmm. detail and so much stuff, and it's like, wow, this is the same world I was just in 10 seconds ago, but with these glasses on, wow, that table is ruby red, you know, and that, that blue right. on that wall is really blue, right? So when you're somewhere around 30, it's as if the universe gives you a pair of glasses. And you now see your world more vividly. Things make a whole lot more sense, right? And then when you go and you get in your car and you hop on the road, you can now look around 30, right, forward into your future, which is now more vivid. Because with wisdom, this thing that may have been a pie in the sky, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? No, 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 no. Like, this is real now, right? And just yeah. as your future can be vivid, sometimes when you look up at that rear view, when you look back, it's also more vivid. So that thing that happened mm-hmm. when you were 10, that relationship when you were 20, it looked a different way without those glasses on. And so the reason why I arrived at therapy was I looked in that rear view mirror and I said, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Mm. So, so in going to therapy, I mean, what prompted you? What prompted you to, what, what to say, you know what? I'm not ashamed. I'm going to go and and make sure that you know 
mentally I'm healthy. Right. So I would I would say, you know, I've never been one like peer pressure has never worked on me. I never truly you know, people say like I don't care what people I like I I have literally never really cared. Like I've always said, Hey, this is what I wanna do or I don't care what they wearing, I'm wearing this. I don't I don't like that. Like I've always like that so that's never even been a thing and I've always kind of been like really transparent, not like so that I could say that I'm transparent, but just because that's my default setting, it's like, why am I going to mm-hmm. put up all this energy into like, you know, picking and choosing? Like, no, like, forget that. So what ended up happening, it was a chain of events, actually. Um, there was a disagreement that uh, me and my mother had that really like opened my eyes. I was like, wow, like me and my mom can like disagree, disagree. Like, adult disagree? Okay. And so, Mm -hmm. fast forward, and the very last time before COVID that I went out, I went out with um, three friends. Uh, And two of those friends, some kind of way therapy came up in the conversation. Because the one, okay, my friend's friend, like, so the one lady that I didn't know, she lost her son at nine in in a house fire. He ran back mm-hmm. in looking for her. So you could just imagine, wow. wow, you lost your nine-year-old son going back in because he didn't. He thought that you were in there and you really weren't, and that's how you lost him. And so they got on the. She got on the subject of how therapy helped her. The the lady who who's my friend was sitting next to me. She lost her mom. Her and her mom were really close. And so she started talking about specifically her therapist, Lisa Jean Jennings. And she started talking about, like, you know, how it helped her. And since I could really relate to this lady, like, she's just as crazy as I am. She's just as transparent and, and, you know, vocal as I am. I was like, you know what? I want you to talk to Janet Baker. So Janet Baker um, is another friend who lost her son at the hands of uh, police brutality back in 2013 is when it happened. I met her in 2014. Met her at the protest. But when I let her hand go at the prayer, I said, I'm not going anywhere, and I haven't. We've kept in touch since then. Uh, her family's picture's hanging mm-hmm. on my wall. So I wanted to introduce Kay to Janet, right? So mm-hmm. we, we hop okay. on the phone on three-way and everybody's talking, and I'm trying to show Janet that this lady, like, would be good, right? And I, I convinced myself mm-hmm. that I need to go, too. And mm. so that's, 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 where, that's where it went. And so I went, actually, so, to who she recommended. Okay. Okay. So how, yes. how do we, you know, you, you and Shanessa can and jump in on this, but how do we, you you aren't as influenced by outsiders, uh, by other mm-hmm. people outside your world in terms of peer pressure. But I would say that that may not be what happens to most people. And that mm-hmm. stigma is still unfortunately attached. Again, I think this is a new thing in the African-American community where we are willing to say, yes, I went to a therapist. I want to be physically healthy spiritually healthy, we go to church, uh, but also mentally healthy because there is something that goes on. Uh, one of the things I always tell people is that the residue of your childhood is always there, and you're uh, always trying to yes. escape mm-hmm. that thing that happened when you yes. were a child. It, it's yes. usually not. There are some things that happen to you as an adult, yes, but for most of us, we're running away from whatever that thing was, and it didn't have to be, you know, something on a higher level to the outsider. It may have been how your family treated you, how, you know, something like that. But you're always trying mm-hmm. to run away from that, and that residue is always there. So growing up in the community, there was always a uh, silence mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, mental health. You knew someone in your family maybe had some mental issues or whatever, but you didn't really talk mm-hmm. about that person. You know, you mm-hmm. really didn't have very many conversations. You knew they were alive, 
but you may not have known mm-hmm. where they were, you know, and things of that nature. So there was a stigma growing up attached to mental health. Only certain communities go and yep. do that. So how do we move beyond that? Because I think there's still a residue of that thinking in our community. Jeanette. Yeah, you know, I um, I will say that um, growing up, there, I, I do have people in my family who are mentally ill, um, and you're right. It was something we never really talked about, and it was, we're going to pray on it. We're going to go to church, and we are going to mm-hmm. pray away the bipolar um, behavior, yes. the abusive behavior, all of these things. And quite frankly, as a as a practicing Christian, and I pray a lot, and I believe in the power of prayer, but I'm also a big believer that God has created tools that help and enable us to live in this world, and that includes things like therapy, that also include things like antidepressants. It also includes yeah. other types of, of therapy, not just talking with someone to make sure that your mental health is good. So I think the best way for us to get past those stigmas really is to not treat it like it is a disease um, in, the, in the sense that it's something that's uncurable. You know, we immediately mm. attach so many stigmas to alcoholism and drug, drug abuse and other, you know, learning disorders and things like that. We need to take away that stigma and realize that someone's mental health is a part of their physical health. If you have a cold, if you have a cold, you know, if you're sick, you go to the doctor when you physically do not feel well. Why is it so unbelievably hard to say mentally I don't feel well, I should go see a doctor to figure out what's wrong with me? And sometimes Mm -hmm. there's physical things in your life causing what's wrong with you. Yes. There could be things that your physical doctor will tell you that, hey, yeah, I know you've been going to therapy, but guess what? You have a very bad hormone imbalance. And if we do X, Y, and Z, things might get better, and you may not wake up every morning angry. It happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So so we really Uh, have to talk to people that way. And it can be, you know, as a result of even taking certain medications. When I listen to these Mm -hmm. ads on television and then they're saying, well, you can have thoughts of suicide and, you know, all of these other things, I'm thinking, I think I will go with whatever is wrong uh, because I don't think (laughs) I want those Those side effects. Like the side effects are right. I'll let my toe hurt for a little bit so that I don't. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then, and then I would say, and I've been, I've been having, I've been having this argument a lot when it comes to voting. Um, I think if you want your children to vote, you need to vote. They need to see you vote. If we want more mm-hmm. people to buy homes in our communities. You're more likely to buy a home if you know someone who bought a home because then psychologically it becomes a realistic thing. You can see a path to it. And I think I don't mind. I'm pretty sure I'm like the first person who publicly in my family said, hey, I'm going to therapy, right? There's a cousin somewhere who's going to be more likely to do it because they saw me do it. And and I think that's Mm -hmm. just what has to happen. I think we have to – you know, just like Shanessa said, like take that step and then understand that the step that you're taking is going to have sort of this ripple effect. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't have thoughts of suicide, but you know, it doesn't have to be, if if that's level 10, it doesn't have to be 10. You don't have to wait until you can barely walk to go to the doctor. Right. Like, no, I had a cough. Mm -hmm that kind of felt weird. Now I was like, you know what? I'm going to go check this out. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And then yeah. I think another thing that we also have to think about as well is it's not so – I think another barrier and another mm-hmm. reason why it's like this unknown in our communities is, yes, I went. They couldn't find my insurance in the thing. And so I was like, okay, I'll just self-pay, right? 
And for me, that's okay, mm-hmm. right, like this time. But that, and I'm going to go weekly, right, that is somebody's rent, you know? Mm-hmm. That's someone's rent. Yes. So we have to understand, like, there, there, there's also that barrier, too. And yeah. I think cost exactly. is definitely a barrier, but but there are some low cost and no cost options as well. And you know, I want us to 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 see how we can get the word out on those things. I agree with you, and and that therapy mm-hmm. may not be the best. I'm not going to say yeah. it is because yeah. I don't know. But I agree mm-hmm. with you. Like mm-hmm. when when someone needs help, though, we we really have to. Um, you know, put things aside. Like some people don't even realize that they, if they're employed, that their ben- their employer has therapy benefits available. Yes. Now, it may yes. not be the therapist mm-hmm. you want to see immediately, right. but I will tell you, they can. You know, even some of the smallest companies I've seen, they can match you up with the proper therapist. But I agree with you, mm-hmm. cost yes. is a barrier. But we have to treat it, and that's why I tell people a lot of the times, don't just immediately say, I need to go to see a therapist. Start with your primary care doctor. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have a primary care doctor, find a primary care doctor because you're going for a typical office visit, you know, you're paying that base level copay, and your doctor may give you a referral that says, this person needs to get therapy, and that referral can help defer and lower some the of cost. those costs as well. Yep. So yep. I agree with you. And, cost is definitely a barrier. And I'll say this too: I don't know, like you know, when you buy a car and they're like, "Oh, you can get the clear coat for X amount more," and it's like, "What's the difference between the clear coat and the whatever?" You know what I mean? <laughs> or or they put on your furniture. What's it called? You could pay extra for the the whatever guard, safeguard or whatever. And it's like, do they really do it? You know what I mean? And so I said that right. to say one of the things that that kind of did delay in my thought pattern because I have a friend who recently got her PhD, and I remember when she told me she was going to make. Now this was years ago when she told me she was going to major and get her PhD and become a a, a you know therapist. I thought to myself wow, like, that's a waste. Like, who would, like, in my head, I was like, I saw it on TV, right? And, like, who needs that? Like, I just talk to my friends. I talk on the phone a lot. But it's not. And it took, I think the recommendations made it more likely for me to go. But actually going and kind of seeing how someone asking you questions about what you just said, right, not guiding Mm -hmm. you in any way, but letting you mm-hmm. do the driving, it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You know, and, and there there were there were two different instances that really stood out and I was like, Wow, okay, so this is gonna be a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I think I think it's necessary when it comes to just relationships in general. Like not only romantic relationships, but business relationships, platonic relationships, like the way you think influences a lot, you know? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. there are like like y'all were talking about earlier patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And and one one of the things I wanna point out in um is family. It it it, it is a it is a powerful thing, and their influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this kind of goes back to the stigma thing because some families are ashamed. You know, mm-hmm. some people are ashamed to say, mm-hmm. hey, I have family members with mental health issues. I don't think there's a family in America <laughs> that does not have somebody mm-hmm. with a mental health issue. I mean, mm-hmm. if we really consider this whole thing called life, it, it's it's not always an easy road. You know, it, it's not but, always paved mm-hmm. in gold. I know they tell us, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, all of those great things. But th- there are some potholes. There are some things that right. maybe you have to go through that, you, you know, you didn't expect. Maybe you had to go left when you really wanted to go right. You know, right. so... Mm-hmm. 
I want families to know that if you have somebody in your family that's going to a therapist, it's not a reflection upon you. That's right. something oh, yeah. that they it's feel is important <laughs> for their own mental health. But a lot of people, and I, I think it may come from the old school of thinking, as Chanessa uh, mm-hmm. alluded to in terms of, you know, we're going to pray through it, and you, or either, again, we don't talk about it, or there is a, a session where people make fun of it. Yeah, you know, she did this or he did that, and ha, 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 you know, that type of thing. But we're not going to leave them around right. our kids, you know. This whole dynamic starts with the family. It does. And and so we have to get away from that shame. Very true. But, you know, we have to, to the point, well, I will will tell you as a child, um, when I went to visit my grandmother, she had a neighbor whose son was schizophrenic. Um, I learned that he had schizophrenia when I was around 16. But when I was seven, it was, really scary. It was, and I remember it vividly, how he would chase his sisters and chase us, and um, one time he literally went to jail, and it was just like a, it was, when I think about the climate that we're in now, and I think about people who are mm-hmm. dealing with mental illness and how things can escalate so quick, so quickly, I remember at 12 yeah. when he went to jail for choking his sister, and here's the problem. This young man wasn't on any medication. He wasn't seeing a therapist. Nothing was balancing him out. It was a crying shame that we had to wait until the death of his parents for his sister to start getting him medicated, I think, when I was about 17 or 18. But I remember at 12, he came raging out of the house, and he was out of control. I just remember that. Like, this if if you didn't know he was mentally ill and people in the neighborhood were screaming, he's sick, he's sick. And I think about if a cop had been trigger happy in that moment because they did tackle him and they did wrestle him to the ground. But I think about the fact that we just didn't want to acknowledge that Charles had these mm-hmm. issues as a community. We knew he was ill, but we, we didn't even know there was treatment for this. Um, you know, when his sister became his guardian, she's like, hey, I can't, I can't have a family and do this too. And that's when right. suddenly when I saw him again, I was like 25 or 26, I was not afraid anymore, and he actually had a conversation with me. And it blew my mind because mm-hmm. I thought about all the years his life was in peril because, wow, we just did not see that medication and therapy could balance them out. Just think about the years wasted. Mm. And I, I sort of see, I yeah. Think, I mean, even go ahead. Even if it's not schizophrenia or you know an actual what is it called? You've been not endorsed. Diagnosis. Diagnosed. There we go. Even if it's yeah. not a diagnosis, I think it can be helpful. I don't know, have have either of you ever gone to a chiropractor or had a really good massage? Like had a chiropractic adjustment? Not yep. like after, yeah. And you know how you get up and it's like, wow, my back mm-hmm. feels so much better. I had a pain I didn't know was there. It was there for so mm-hmm. long. I didn't know that, the, that my, I had lower back pain, but I didn't know until it was taken away. And the absence of it, is the only way that I know that it is there. I think um, I don't know if I told this story before, but with my um, with my doctor, both my um, my primary care physician and my therapist are both black women, and they know each other. Like I found, yeah. Ah. But anyway, yeah, I know. I'm like, wow. Like, let me find out they're in like some sorority or something. But um. <laughs> But anyway, when I when I went to I went to my um one of the last times I went to the doctor, she asked me um if I had any allergies. You know they ask you the questions, any this, any that, da da da, right? And I said no. And then mm-hmm. she went back to that. And she said, oh, Okay, well, when's the last time you had I forget what she said, allergy test basically, right? Or that you were tested or had a uh whatever. And I said, um, oh, I got to thinking, and I was like, I don't think I have ever, you know, as an adult. And she was like, oh, well, how do you know you don't have any allergies? 
And so I kind of, you know, I kind of threw it back at her. I was like, I'm 33, and I've been in this body for 33 years. So I'm pretty sure if I had some allergies, I'd be the first to know. So she laughed, just like y'all just did. And she turned around and she pointed to her doctorate, her MD on the wall, and she says, well, that, Darrell, trumps your 33 years. And she said something really interesting. She said, some people have allergic reactions. They get a headache when they eat this or they get a rash when they do that, and they don't even, they don't notice that this is a recurring thing, right? And then she said, number Mm -hmm. two, sometimes you get the allergies later in life. Right, it's not like yeah. your factory default all the way through, and I thought about that when it comes to mental health, right, like mm-hmm. you don't you may not know that something is there right um mm-hmm. and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and you know i I was <laughs> I, I had different expectations for what. Like, I thought she was going to, like, you know, give me, like, a, a receipt at the end. You know, when you go and get your car checked out, and they're like, okay, we're going to get two brakes, you need four new tires, go ahead and do this. You know, no. No, and I thought that I was going to get a lot of feedback, <laughs> but no. <laughs> That's not what like, this is not an is. interview, sir. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> but, you, you know, I, I can say that um, – I am uh, grateful, um, not only for your post on Facebook, but um, also for you being so open to sharing your story with us. Um, And I'm going to continue to say this every week, and you and Shanessa can just talk to me afterwards. But um, what you two are doing is amazing to me. Uh, Shanessa posts on Facebook and and Janessa, you can explain your post uh, clearer than I can, but I love the fact that you're, you you ask people to share if they want a mask. And um, if you can go into that Facebook post to kind of give people insight of what that means. Sure. So every week I've posted um, and I've made these posts public, um, that if you are living in a dangerous situation where you're with an abusive partner um, and that you need help, um, that you can actually message me about my handmade mask. And I do not, I'm not making masks, so you know. And if you just message me about those handmade masks, um, I just check in on you every two or three days. But if you say you want to buy masks for me and you send your address, I immediately call the police because that means you think your life is in danger. I've done this since the middle of April, and I will tell you I have helped four women get out of situations that they're in, um, which is why I continue to post it each week. And I will tell you the first time that someone reached out to me, I said to this person, because I forgot I posted it, I'll be honest and say that, um, I was like, I don't make any masks. And she, her response to me was, no, you said you make masks and I need some for my kids, so you need to help me with these masks. And then things started clicking for me. Um, wow. I, I didn't realize how many people are in relationships where their activity is being monitored so heavily that they're not even mm-hmm. in a position to call for help. Um, so I've helped four, four people. One person is living with her sister, her and her family have relocated, and the other three, unfortunately, are in shelters right now. But the one thing that I am fortunate for is that they're getting the help and the that they need, and they're not in that situation anymore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's beyond words right there because I, it, it was just such a genius post. I, I was thinking I should have thought of that myself. It was just mm. <laughs> so genius on how you did that. And for me, that's a part of mental health because if you are in oh, an abusive relationship, it it doesn't 
necessarily have to stem from something that you grew up with in terms of mental health. It could be some, a current situation that you're in. Right. And if you're in an abusive relationship, when you're out, you will more than likely need some type of therapy. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, mm-hmm. so for and, you to provide that and, insight, that that's awesome. You and know, I will tell really you when you. No, go ahead, Darrell. Go ahead. I was going to say what's really interesting, and I've heard people describe, you know, the way to boil a frog lies. They don't realize the temperature rises, and you know, <laughs> I was talking about those glasses earlier. When a lot of people are going through stuff, so there are people right now that are in situations, they're at an 8 out of 10, but they don't know it because a month ago they were at 7, and last year they were Mm. at 6. And Mm -hmm. so you're at 8, and you're just going through the motions. You're picking up the kids, you're getting masks, you're ordering food or Mm -hmm. whatever, and you think that that argument that y'all just had is normal, and it's not. And there's a lot that's going on there. And then you have even those that recognize it, okay, now what do you do? There's no, there's no instruction manual, right? And yeah. it's mm-hmm. really good what you're doing, Shanessa, because, I mean, what are you going to do? Call the police? Then what? Where are you and your kids going to go? Who's going to pay the rent? How, who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of different stuff that comes after but the the silver lining is you can figure it out, and whatever situation you end up in will be so much better than that eight that you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and and you're right. It becomes you look at um, you know one of the reasons why. I decided to do that too, was because I I know in this stay at home order that um, <laughs> there are people who can't stay at home because home is not safe for them, and we see it all the yeah. time. But you're right, where people, um, you know, most most recently we lost a young soror to domestic violence, where this young man, an ex boyfriend, had been stalking her. Um, she had a protective order. He killed her, and then he killed himself. Now, when I think when I've heard from her family how from the very onset that this was an abusive relationship and how she endured this until the point where she said, no, I'm not going to endure it anymore, is when that was a breaking point for this individual. It goes back to, as you said, you're so used to things being that volatile in that way that it becomes common to you. It becomes a part of your life, a fabric of who you are. And that's where yeah. mental health and, and our need to break out of that, like it's our need to say, you know what, even though I saw my mom being abused by my dad, that is not how I should go into my relationship. That is not how I should, you know, if your parent was abusive, you should not be an abusive parent so that person can turn out like you did. Like, there has to be some boundaries, and we've got to help people create those. We've got to help them create those moments. And there has to be mental health um, help for both sides of the situation. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and I, I know there is anger and all of those things, but we, we, we have to look at, both sides of the situation and say mental health is needed in the entire situation. Yep. Absolutely. Without question, there's no question in my mind that something, you know, something sinister happened in this young man's life where he felt he needed to do things that he did. A lot of abandonment issues and it doesn't take a therapist to know that. Again, we've got to start (laughs) doing things a little bit differently. And I remember last year there was a couple of students who started meditation instead of detention and mm-hmm. how the kids' overall behavior changed. And I think about how we yeah. tell young black men and boys, that they're man up, you're not supposed to cry, you're not supposed to show your emotions, or the only emotion that we're applauding is anger. 
or, or you know, that fearfulness, that their shit, that fierceness, that we have to stop that that toxic masculinity. Boys can cry. I let my child cry. He's 11. It, things hurt him in life. He needs to cry. He needs to learn how to be able to deal yeah. with his emotions and not bottle them up yeah. so that they metastasize into other issues or that he doesn't know how to convey his emotions. So we, we have to get past that. If we don't, we're going to continue to have these generations who domestic violence is a common part of their relationships. That's what we're going to end up with. Yeah. And, and that crosses every boundary, every racial boundary. It, I, I think that that's something that in the African-American community, as far as mental health, we're becoming more aware and more accepting. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I think this is all new. It's a new phenomenon for us to even have this conversation, you know, and have someone mm-hmm. on the phone who's willing to say, hey, you know, I went to therapy. This is how it was. You know, so we have to continue to have the conversation. We have to start looking um, deeper within ourselves and say to ourselves or ask ourselves, okay, am I not uh, suggesting that my son or my child or my daughter or whomever, uh, am I not helping them to get help? Because I think Mm -hmm. it's a reflection upon me as a bad parent Mm -hmm. or, you know, we have to take that I out of it just to make sure that your kids or your loved ones or your family members are okay mentally. Yeah. So, Darrell, go ahead, Janessa. He's going to say, I've said to people, if if your sister or brother, you know, if they had a gunshot wound, God forbid, or or the staff, um, what, you're just going to have them put a Band-Aid on it every day, that Band-Aid being let's just pray on it or let's drink it away or let's smoke it away. Mm-hmm. Like we have to treat mental illness like it is a physical threat to our lives because you can die from mental illness. It can manifest mm. in multiple ways. And until we actually push that lever to say, guess what, this is just like if I was feeling ill any other type of physical illness, if I had, you know, ongoing migraines, I need to get this treated. And we need to just yeah. allow that treatment to happen. Yep. So how do we go beyond words? What can we do now? We're, we're uh, wrapping up the show. We have about seven minutes. So Darrell and Chanessa, give people more insight on what they can do once the show is over, once they, you know, they're done with their posts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of this stuff when they're alone because that's what gets most people. We we aren't the society we used to be. There was a time when we mm-hmm. could, you know, go next door and borrow some sugar and, and all of these other things. It, it depends on where you grew up. But... You know, you, you knew your neighbors. You, you kind of, there, there was some form of a community. Some of us don't even know our neighbors. We, we see them walking through the halls. But so it's that alone time that people are having um, that affects you mentally. So what can people do right now once everything is over? The lights are off, the doors are closed. What can they do now? I would highly recommend journaling and i know people are like ah journaling okay i heard of this before no really because people (laughs) said it to me before and i scoffed too i was like okay no seriously start writing your thoughts putting them down on a paper and it will become the compass you'll start to notice patterns you'll start noticing you usually go east for some reason there's something over there wait what's that i smell over here um, just taking a little time to just do that, just to journal it. It doesn't have to be anything official. I mean, I started with like the pen and the, you know, $60 leather bound journal. And now I just journal on Facebook because every, every year I like looking back at what I was thinking a year before I look back on those events that seem like, Oh, you didn't did it. Now you're going under now. This is a big thing. You'll never recover from this. 
And now I look back like, oh, that was nothing. It's like getting a shot when you're four, yeah. you know. Um, I would recommend oh, yeah. that. Journaling. <laughs> okay. Janessa? Yeah, I I believe in, as I mentioned, prayer and meditation. And sometimes it's okay just mm-hmm. to be quiet uh, and to know that even if today was the worst day ever, there's always tomorrow and tomorrow can be better. Um, and I always go into that mindset when I have bad days, and I would ask other people to do that too, that tomorrow can be better than it was today, and the next day can be better than it was today. And just to keep reminding yourself that everything is never going to be as bad as you think it will be. And if you feel like you just this is not enough, you can call a very simple 1-800 number to find mental health treatment or help in your area, and they'll provide you with some low-cost and no-cost options. And that phone number is one 800 That is a universal 1-800 number, and they will find resources in your area for you. Again, that's 1-800-662-HELP. Awesome, awesome. Um, the, the one thing that I would recommend is cry. I I mean, I'm talking about the ugly cry. I'm talking about the cry you don't want seen on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else (laughs) because there is a release. And I've done it (laughs) where it's just like, and and I I have a thing and and I know it. I I will tell somebody, I'm going to cry today. And they're like, you you plan on when you cry? Yes, because I need that space. <laughs> yes. And that may sound weird, and I get it, but that's okay. That's a part of who I am. It's like, okay, now you can just release all of the issues that you had. You can breathe. Don't eat. Don't eat because eating is going to not help this issue <laughs> in three months when you're 200 pounds Extra. So let's just, you know, let's just cry. Let's just get it out. Yeah. And, and it's something freeing when I allow myself to yeah. just release all of those, all yeah. of that tension and that stress and those issues within my head. Because sometimes it's not really an issue, but mm-hmm. there's a trigger that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we all have to start journaling those triggers. What What's triggering you? What's making you angry or upset or sad? So doing that, mm-hmm. but also just allowing yourself to cry, hang up the phone, cut off the lights. Don't, and this is not about depression. Let, let me be clear. There are times when you, it's an emotion. It's, it's a part of who we are as people, as humans, we cry. So allow yourself that moment to feel vulnerable in your own skin, in your own house, you know. Um, And as Chanessa said, there are certainly um, several hotlines that you can call. There's disaster distress helpline. I know people are going through issues in terms of COVID-19, and that number is 1-800-985-5990. Again, the Disaster Distress Helpline is 1-800-985-5990, and they're modern. You can also text them. Uh, you have to text them, talk with us, to 66746. And the Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Again, Domestic Violence Hotline is one 800 Seven nine nine seven two three three, and the suicide prevention hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. That's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five for the suicide prevention hotline. So, um, thank you, Chanessa. Thank you, Darrell for really providing some insight. We've had some laughs today, certainly, (laughs) in such a heavy topic. Laughter is good for the soul. So that's another thing, laugh. Find a comedian you like and just laugh. That's another thing that you can certainly do. But um, do you guys have any last words before we end the show? 
Um, you mentioned laugh. I've been on uh on YouTube looking at old Carol Burnett reruns of uh, the family <laughs> sketch. <laughs> That's been like I don't know, really weird, but like I didn't grow up with it. And hey, y'all out there, go listen to it. Go watch it. Okay, I would Shouldn't say <laughs> my last passing words is just remember that somebody, somewhere, somewhere love you and would be devastated if you decided you didn't want to be here anymore, and that. Always, there's always someone who loves and cares about you, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think things are, there is that person. So that in mind before you decide that this world is just too much for you. And we will end on that note. Mental health awareness right here on Beyond Words with Janessa White and Darrell Douglas. Thanks for listening. Good night. Interested in advertising? Advertise today on the number one online radio network for entrepreneurs, your 15 minutes radio network. Contact us at advertise at your15minutesradio.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.